0: Hello, sir. Hey, Ben. How's it going? It's going well. I beat you to it. (laughs) I beat you to the how's it going question. You did, yeah. Yeah. No, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I have some family visiting in town this week, so it's been uh, just a a good time uh, hanging out outside a lot and uh, soaking in some warmth that we haven't had in Minnesota for a long time.
1: Yes, same. It is finally nice here. I've been biking around, and it is great. Nice, nice. So we have a guest on the line today. Yes, we do. And this is kind of a funny thing because he's a repeat guest in a certain sense <laughs> but in a way he's new to our our listeners. So our guest today is Paul Jarvis. Hi Paul, welcome.
2: <laughs> thanks for thanks for having me back after I messed up the whole episode last time we recorded. So, so. last time,
1: yeah, I mean, yeah, it, no problems. So last time Paul was on, we had a great conversation. It, it actually was like what I hope for from guests, which is like a feeling like you're the third co-host as opposed to just being an interviewee. And it was just like great. And then as we wrapped up, you saved a file and, and QuickTime crashed and then and that was that.
2: Oh god, I'm not even using QuickTime this time. So <laughs>
1: <laughs> So anyway, after after that little event, I, I now record a backup and we have guests and I'm doing that today. So the likelihood of this episode actually airing, I would say, is twice as high. So I think people will probably listen to this.
2: Now that you've implemented the Paul protocol. <laughs> That's right. Yes.
1: You've made our system more resilient. Yeah. Awesome. So so welcome back. It's, it's, it's good to have you. I'm curious what you've been up to. Last time we had you on because you had just published uh, Company of One, your new book. And we talked about that a bit. Is that still like the main thing you're focused on these days?
2: Yeah. I mean, the books tend to last for a little while. So it's still, <laughs> it's still going, still doing interviews. I was in LA a couple weeks ago, did a couple interviews. Uh, I've sold the rights to I think in 13 languages now, which is my agent just sends me over like, Hey, this is the rights for like the Ukraine. I, I, I encourage you to sign. And I then send them back like thumbs up emoji. (laughs) I don't know. I have no (laughs) idea how. Is that legally binding
1: the thumbs up emoji? I believe, I believe so. (laughs) (laughs) That's good selling it
2: in multiple languages is that's a great sign right it means people they want it it seems to be yeah i don't it's traditional publishing so i don't have any actual numbers yet but it seems like that's a good sign i'm I'm pleased Mm -hmm. i'm pleased with that i want to see the covers in in all the different languages that's going to be exciting and so do different places publish the different language versions then? Yeah. Are like signing new agreements with new people? Yeah. So they're totally different publishers. So the publishers in, say, like the Ukraine or Korea or, or somewhere else, like they buy the rights, they translate the book, they do a new cover design, and interior design, and then sell it. And mm-hmm. then I get royalties from them. So it's a total, it's like, and it takes like 18 months. Like these books aren't going to like, if you're like, yes, I get to read company of one and like Ukrainian, it's like, no, hold your horses for like a year and a half. (laughs) Hmm. Do
1: you have any concerns about being translated incorrectly? No, (laughs) not
0: at all.
2: (laughs) Maybe I should, but yeah, I mean, I I trust that they do well. My agent knows who is like a legitimate publisher and who is not in all these different um, places. So I'm assuming they do a good job. I, yeah, I don't know. Gotcha. Nice. Well,
1: so I'd love to maybe kind of try to do an updates episode if we can stick to that format. So maybe uh, we'll do do some of our updates. Uh, so Derek and I usually just kind of talk about what's been going on in our weeks and we'll kind of hit, hit you in turn. Yeah. That sounds good to you. Yeah. All right. Nice.
0: Uh, Derek, do you want to start? Tell us what's going on in your life. Sure. Yeah. So it's kind of, kind of still more the same for me. Like I mentioned at the top, I've got family in town visiting. And so since I'm kind of already in this in-between period of not having a particular product, I'm moving forward. I've kind of used this time to, to hang out with family, which has been, it's been nice, you know, I've spent a lot of uh, hours in my hammock kind of just pondering things. And like before the bugs explode too badly and it's no longer hospitable to sit in the hammock, I'm going (laughs) to, I'm going to take advantage of that. So, you know, just, just trying my best to do relaxation and kind of a lot of brainstorming and high level thinking without, you know, torturing myself too much or putting too much pressure on myself to like figure it out right now. So I think that's, that's my biggest hazard right now is, and you know, over the course of a day, I will probably slip into that mode at least a couple of times where I'm just like frustrated and feel like I'm up against a wall. And so, mm. yeah, it's just, it's the mental game for me right now, you know, trying to, trying to, um, not let that overtake me that's so hard because there's nothing magical about this moment
1: that means you will get the idea or like bump into the thing that makes sense for you yeah and so it's just i I totally get that i would have the same impulse for sure yeah but also like by the time i like the thing that triggered me to finally start a company was like a kind of random series of events where a few pieces fell into place all of a sudden Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and I, i there was no way
2: for me to have forced that earlier yeah I think that break might be necessary, even though none of us, like all of the people who are like us <laughs> that do the things that we do yeah. feel like the break is necessary between things. I kind of, I kind of think it is. I yeah. think that we need space to create. And if we just jump from one thing to another, we're not doing like, like Derek said, like that actual like hammock thinking.
0: Yeah. And it's Like in a way it is being productive and I have to remind myself of that. Like there are a lot of ingredients that go into this whole creating new things business. And a big part of that is like the unstructured time and the time to, to think and to, to ponder and like, I think, you know, if I were to just go down the logical route of, you know, analyzing lists of business ideas and picking ones that seem the most logical to do, I mean, that's the that's what everyone else is doing. So you kind of have to find you have to find something that is novel enough and a unique enough take on something that you have an opinion about. But that also has a market. And and that's just a really hard thing to do. Um, mm. And so. Is there a chance that uh, like we're sort of exacerbating
1: that by bringing you on the podcast each week and
0: I mean, you, you feel like compelled yeah. to have an update of some kind? I'm not going to lie. Like it's a little bit challenging. Like I, I was um, I was talking to a buddy about this the other day and he was like, this is going to be this could be a little bit of a challenging thing that like it's since you're reporting weekly on this podcast, like you, you kind of feel like you have to have a deliverable uh, or you may mm-hmm. you may start to to feel like you need to do that. And have something concrete and it's like the last few weeks i really haven't um but i think i'm pretty comfortable being open about what's going on and so i guess it's like i'm not holding back and i'm not going to sugarcoat it and say like uh that i have any particular update i'm just gonna give this kind of update you know so yeah that's good and i think you also have
1: a tendency to create things generally like you've been, you like, you read, you redid your website yeah and you've been posting interesting things and you've been writing, you've been, you've been making th- stuff. Yeah. And so like, I, I think that's kind of your natural MO anyway. Yeah. And so it, that kind of, that will sort of satisfy some of that impulse. I, hopefully. Yep.
0: And I will say like, not, like not going into any details. Like there's, there are a few things that I've thought about just building because I think one, one route to, to finding something is just just shipping like some small kernel of a of a product putting out in the world and seeing seeing what the reception looks like or even just just putting something out there for the sake of doing it even if I'm not putting a price tag on it and seeing what what that yields whether it's like a monetization strategy for that thing that I built or just serendipity machine just some some interest from people that leads me down another path you know so I've attempted to do that with a few things but I'm still kind of like I'm hesitant to to cross that line into like building something. Cause I know what I tend to do. I tend to get really excited about it. I tend to get too married to the, to the idea or like really like want to, to push it through and make it succeed. But I need to be, I think I need to be care, especially careful not to get too committed to anything. Like that's probably one of the hazards I fell into with level was like, I felt mm. so deeply that this was a, a, a problem that the world needed sol- solving. And like, so I was just, I was all in on it, which you need to be, when you're committed to a business, but also you have to kind of have that hat on, especially in the early days of like, I need to be looking for things to disprove what I'm assuming, you know? So I I think I'm, I'm still hesitating to actually dive in and like start writing code for even just a small thing. The silence. (laughs) I'm just
2: waiting to see if Paul wants to say anything. I didn't have anything. I thought that I I think that that's, I think that that's good. Um, I think it's hard to, hard to be in that space but i yeah yeah, like i said it's necessary yeah one thing that came to mind as i was
1: listening to that is like paul i know you have your weekly newsletters or email whatever you call your thing and uh i wonder if something like that might be a good idea to to be doing during this period Derek. like it seems like you naturally want to do it anyway but having some sort of like deliverable ish thing for a while might be like it's just a good habit just to kind of keep going
0: Yeah. I've wanted to so I've cranked out several blog posts in the last few weeks and it's felt good doing that. Like my last one was like called Just Keep Shipping and it was kind of about (laughs) the the meta the meta theme behind what I'm doing right now. And it's like even if I'm writing a blog post, that's still a form of shipping for me and it still gives me the same benefits. I guess I'm I'm like feeling a little bit challenged in like finding compelling enough topics to write about. Actually I'm curious to hear from Paul, like what's your Like, how do you keep that stream going? Where is your fountain of ideas coming from? Or is it just kind of a, yeah, I guess, what does that process look like for you?
2: Yeah, I mean, it used to be that I would write once a week because I would publish once a week. I would still be ahead of my schedule. But like, to be honest, nowadays, like I'll spend like two or three days writing for like two months. Hmm. And I'll just get like all of the ideas that have been welling up for two months and just put them down and give them to my copy editor. Like, here's eight articles, dude. <laughs> like, get to it, kind of thing. As far as like where the ideas come from, it's usually like a combination of what I'm interested in and what people are saying when they reply to my emails, hmm. as well as just wanting to try different things. Like, I hadn't, like last week, I think it was last week, I had an idea where I was like, I want to charge people money to ask me a question and then do video replies. And that's been that's been in my on my list for probably like a year and a half. And I was like, it eh, seems like a good enough time to do it. I had time this week to film. So, yeah, it's just kind of like throwing in whatever I'm interested in and listening to whatever people are like showing me that they're interested in. Hmm. So, yeah. But it's fits and stars for me for now. Like I, I don't I haven't written an article for probably about a month, but last month I wrote probably seven articles. Yeah. So that makes sense
0: that like you would if you go spend a little bit of time stepping away from that, you're gonna kind of naturally accumulate some observations about the world or some ideas that that so do you just jot down like yep. if you randomly come like with an idea, you just kinda of scribble it down and then when it's time to yeah. write. And then I try yeah. to make
2: sense of the jot, and if I can't, <laughs> I scrap it. Even yeah. with like <laughs> even with the book though, like my agent in like Feb March was like, Oh, we gotta strike while the iron's hot. Like people are interested in the book, people are buying it, like we need to get another book proposal out of you. And I was like, No. Like, I can't. Like the thought of writing another proposal for a book was just so gross to me because I had like just done it, and I had just done all of this stuff with the book, and now, like, I just came back from vacation, and now I'm like, I want to write another book. <laughs> I was talking to her yesterday. I'm like, I have some ideas. So I think it just, like, yeah, I think when we, when we kind of like step away and then come back, it can kind of, it can really, really help because. I wasn't excited like I had the idea for the next one months ago but I wasn't excited to do it like I was just like oh another book and now I'm like oh my god I want to write another book like I'm so I'm so amped on it so any thoughts on what that might be yes that you can share digital privacy is is what yeah. i'm kind of working towards but more from it sounds so weird to say but more from like a memoir standpoint less of a like scientific data nerd kind of thing so like um what's his name aj jacobs year of living biblically kind of like year of living publicly on the internet or something like that i don't know the the title is is not there yet but sure yeah that's kind of what i'm working towards at the moment
1: nice
2: is there anything
1: I can do or like
0: that can be done to help mitigate this uh, that sense that you hmm. talked
1: about? Hmm.
0: That's a good question. I mean, I think, I mean, I have found it helpful to be kind of in, in community with folks. So like there's a few other founders that I'm in like a, I'm in a little Slack based mastermind thingy and like it, it helps me to be helpful to other people for sure. And so when, when opportunities arise, like in there you know, someone's like, Hey, I, I'm reworking my pricing. Like, do you have thoughts about that? Or I'm like, I just rewrote the landing page copy on my website and like being, being helpful to people where I can, where I really feel like I have some, some good opinions to share is I think helpful. I guess it's still not directly, you know, helping me achieve my, my ultimate goal of finding another idea, but it's, it's at least, um,
2: I don't know, helpful for mindset. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on working with somebody else on your next thing? Like, cause I know you went from having a group of yeah. people to doing it by yourself. Like what, what do you think next? Or do you think the idea is going to dictate that? I mean,
0: I think realistic, like in reality, the idea probably will dictate it. I mean, I've, so I, I kind of went through an exercise and I wrote a blog post about it where I'm trying to come up with my filtering criteria for my next idea. And like, you know, so I have things on there. Like it can't be mission critical. Like, like if my app goes down for a few minutes, it can't like, take down all my customers' businesses or cost them millions of dollars um, and things like that. And one of them was like, I mean, I definitely am heavily inspired by kind of your, your writing and company of one. And like, that is, that is what I want. But as we know, like it doesn't being a company, of one doesn't uh, eliminate the possibility of having co-founders. Right. And so I think, I think I'm open to it. I mean, I had a, I had a, you know, great partnership with Rob on my last business and that was, that was great. Um, I'm at the phase right now where I'm not really sure who I would partner with. And I, I think of it kind of like a, like a marriage. So it's a pretty serious thing, you know, to, to go into business with somebody. But, um, yeah, I would say I'm not, I'm not closed off to the idea. I think it just means like, I'm aware of the fact that, that the number, the number to be considered successful and profitable needs to be a bit higher when you have multiple heads. And that's the only, that's the main hesitation I have aside from, being confident that the person i would be partnering with is someone that i really want to work with is just the fact that like we that means we have to grow it that much bigger in order for it to be you know paying us well so so nothing i can do to help with this <laughs> i don't know do you have anything in mind ben did you no i'm just
1: i just like feeling like uh premeditated guilt or something oh for no. us like
0: I, I don't want to put like
1: I don't wanna put you in a situation where you're gonna do something that is not ideal for you, basically.
0: No, and I don't I don't feel that at all. Like I think, yeah. It's hard for me to know what what would be helpful to me right now. <laughs> yeah. That's fair. It's hard to know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Paul, I had this thought as Derek
1: was talking about Company of One, which is the title is like I feel like you may have like a little bit signed up yourself to explain. 10,000 times that company of one doesn't necessarily refer to one person like did did you go into this knowing that was happening
2: no and i don't, I don't know why I didn't i was stupid like, honestly <laughs> i was dumb okay that okay. it was that i was trying to describe a mindset with something concrete and literal so and even that that's why that's why i asked a question about about partners or co-founders because i've well, one, I don't have the skills to be a solo founder for a software product. My programming skills just aren't aren't there. But I have found the benefit in doing bigger projects than just like course or doing pro- ongoing projects that aren't just like courses or books or that sort of thing with another person. And not even so much as like splitting up the the work more as like thinking it out and like with the co-founder that I have with fathom like we basically challenge each other on every idea that we have and it becomes such a great like filtering mechanism to get to what the truth is or to get to what we should actually do and I kind of miss that on some of my other projects where I am just working by myself I'm like what would so-and-so think I'm like oh they're not on this project Like, mm-hmm. I'm probably gonna bug them anyways, but technically we're not we're not co-founders on, on this thing. So I have found it helpful in that way. I've also found it helpful in working with somebody else in, in terms of, like, I guess like motivation. Where I was teaching a course for I have probably done it about five years now, and two years ago. I brought on a co-founder of the course. I was kind of like the course was just running. I was just kind of letting it run. And then I brought somebody else on and she brought this like excitement about it. And then that got me excited. And then I started like really working on it again. And it's just like the I think motivation can be contagious uh, on teams. And it's kind of been interesting to explore because I, I have been solo for so long but like trying out partnerships, I think is also uh, pretty interesting
0: yeah my, my my co-founder experiences from the past have been um, you know really really good and it's like it was there were always a you know one plus one equals three type of type yeah. of situation um and so I guess I mean you can kind of get some of that from you know masterminds or just from from like you know having having friends that you can run stuff by, but you're right like it's not it's not quite the same as like you're in this together yeah they're like, not
2: in the arena with you yeah and they yeah. typically don't want to be bugged a few times a day about right. things
0: <laughs> yep yep
1: mm-hmm. that was yeah that's one of the things I, I really like about having co-founders is that we can talk about work pretty endlessly and no one gets tired of it mm. i remember in the early days being like just let me know if you don't ever want to talk about this like on the weekend or whatever And they're like no no it's fine like this is, this is kind of all i think about too and it's like okay good similar levels of obsession.
0: So, Paul, I'm curious, I have this lingering question as I think about, you know, what to do next. Um, and I've always, I've pretty much exclusively done SaaS for my career as a software developer. But I was, as I was reading Company of One and like figuring out that like a lot of my goals align with kind of the the, the types of things articulated in there, I started to wonder like, do I think that it's possible to kind of operate in that way and also run a full-fledged SaaS application because i mean SaaS does come with its own complications like um like you kind of have to you're running a service that presumably you're trying to get as close to 100 uptime as possible and so as the technical person that means if i don't have a lot of redundancy or backup then i'm on call all the time you know with 24 7 365 But to actually have the right amount of redundancy, even just for that, for keeping like servers alive. I mean, you can't it's not like you can even just hire an engineer and then put them on call 24 seven. So you kind of need a couple of them. And then that that quickly can start to put the business, I feel like, into a into more of a we're scaling up this business as opposed to keeping staying small. So I am curious if you have thoughts about that for SAS.
2: Yeah. And I mean, I've, I've been kind of going through that with fathom where I, I switched co founders last year, I guess it was last December. That's a while ago. And like, I almost shut it down because I was like, Oh, I don't want to go through this again. Like mm-hmm. I don't want to find somebody else to, to, to do this. But luckily somebody that I know that I was already working with stepped up and we basically like we went through that same discussion. like, The first co-founder was like, I can't do this because it is so taxing to like keep the servers online and the the support never ends and stuff like that. And so when I started with the next, I guess, co-founder, is he a founder if he didn't really found, I don't even know what to call him, (laughs) Jack. (laughs) (laughs) So we basically went from, I think, 50 bucks a month hosting just on like a droplet on DigitalOcean to um, Heroku. I was like, I think our last bill was like 500 bucks. But so we invested in infrastructure heavily, so like servers don't go down. like yeah. stuff doesn't stop working. and we pay a lot more for that. But we were like, well, do we hire like uh, like a, like an engineer or, or a systems administrator And we got quotes and they were like1,000 dollars a month to be basically on call to, to deal with things. and we're like, why don't we just like increase our spend a bit on infrastructure? and so far we've had like knock on wood obviously but like there's been no problems that have that have been immediate that needed to be fixed because everything is redundant and backed up and scalable on demand and that and so we were like so like it sucks that uh, it's eaten into our our profit margin by a ton mm-hmm. but on the other side like we don't have to worry about that as much but yeah at the same time, like I just got back from being away for a month, and it's the first vacation I've taken of that length in a long time. And like I had the last time I took a vacation, I wasn't really doing products; I was mostly doing services so long ago. But like I had to basically do customer support every morning, only for probably about fifteen to thirty minutes. But like I woke up every day, I cleared out the support queue, and then I like went and did my holiday stuff. And like, that was kind of different. And that was kind of like, I didn't, I wasn't really resentful of it, but I was still like, this is kind of different. And my wife Mm -hmm. was like, this is kind of different. So it's it's something to to pay attention to for sure. For the
0: longest time at at Drip when we were just small, like I, I basically had to have my laptop with me at all times. Like even if I was going to drive, you know, across town and be an hour away from my house, like got to have the laptop in the, in the trunk. And, um, you know, unfortunately there were There were many times where, uh, you know, we're sitting at a at a cocktail bar and I've got my laptop under the bar, just like troubleshooting some exceptions that came through. And so I just yeah, I'm especially aware of like that is not the life I want to lead for the long haul. And so I do think, yeah, I'm I'm interested, like I'm trying to balance like um, sticking with technology that I know for building whatever I'm going to do next and also like trying to keep my eyes open for some for new ways of doing things that are more like small team friendly like and so like serverless technology is one thing that i'm really interested in it's like throw your code over to a provider and they handle all the scalability concerns and you don't even have to worry about configuring servers it's just your code but a lot of that stuff is still in its infancy and it's like do i want to enter into the learning curve of that and figure out all the pitfalls of that approach. Uh, as I'm trying to start something new or just go scrappy with, you know, rails or Phoenix or something that I really know already, but you know, are not quite as bulletproof on the, on the deployment side. So yeah, it's hard to know, but, um, yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm honestly, I love recurring revenue and I'm a big proponent of SaaS, but I'm just trying to figure out like, is this, do I really want SAS because it is, is not without headaches. <laughs> I think all of the uh, perfect
1: easy businesses are already taken though is the thing.
0: Mhm. Mhm.
1: The ones that pay you a ton of money for like very little effort and have no concerns, I think I'm pretty sure those ones have been competed into, into dust. So it's like what kind of what kind of struggling do you want to sign up for? Like what's your favorite kind of struggle that to you is like the least bad, I guess. It's probably yeah. the question. Mhm.
0: Mhm.
1: Paul, what is how is that $10 to contact you thing going?
2: I think I made I think I made $50.
1: Oh uh, yeah. yeah make that now nice. there's a business, but if you can get famous enough that people <laughs> will pay 10 bucks to email you, you're, you're onto something.
2: four and four of those five people didn't require a sponsor. Just like, oh, I was just looking for a cheap way to support you uh, for reading your yep. stuff forever. So you don't even need to reply. Nice. Here's $10. I'm like, Cool. Thank you. There you go. So I just want to get less infographics. Like I have a charge <laughs> for contacting because I get so many people emailing me to put infographics, their infographics in my articles. Which I don't need, like, is that a business? Like, is that a real business? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I don't Someone emailed me
1: today and said they want to write an article about me, which I thought was really exciting. Uh, And I only had to pay $175 for like the article writing fee.
2: (laughs) Where were, where were they publishing this article? And did you have to provide a backlink to the article? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't,
1: I didn't get into the details, (laughs) Uh, but yeah, it was on their, you know, whatever website full of other spam things that they had written for money.
2: Yeah. There's some weird businesses out there that I just don't, it just doesn't like, how do like, I almost want to ask these people and I probably should just like, how do you, do you actually make money doing this thing?
1: Yeah, totally. Like I feel like when I get emails like this, I, I always want to be like, I should just interview this person. Like I want to bring them on the podcast <laughs> and be like, tell
0: me everything. I need to know all of this. This is ridiculous. <laughs> That's funny. I have another question for Paul. This is around so so a, a big premise of your book and kind of your recent writing is around uh, like questioning growth and finding you're enough. Right. And I will occasionally be talking to other founders who are kind of on the other side of this and kind of, I guess, the counter argument to to that sentiment is that like, uh, you know, if a business you hear this in like tradition, like MBA programs, if a business isn't, isn't growing, it's dying. Right. And I guess like a pessimistic way to to view this is like um, like anywhere there's an opportunity to make money, you know, inevitably competition will come in and and you know put you try to put other people out of business, right or try to to dominate as much market share as possible. And so like if you do manage to find something where you can say like, I'm happy getting to this certain level of revenue and then I don't need to grow anymore, like do you think, Do you feel like that's just an arbitrage opportunity that you've maybe stumbled upon but won't last forever and so does that mean like if you're if you're taking this approach of like i'm gonna i'm okay with not necessarily growing revenue beyond where i'm at like do you feel like you need to then be ready to perhaps like start new products
2: or just look for new arbitrage
0: opportunities like assuming that it's not going to last forever
2: Yeah. And I mean, I think that that's kind of a common misconception with uh, the thesis that I put forward with the book is that I think not, or or questioning growth isn't necessarily stagnation. I think there's still ultimately a ton of work that needs to be done because a business, if a business stops listening, it's dying. Instead of stops growing, it's dying. Because I I think that... that, The, yeah, I should have. I should have put that in the book. <laughs> <laughs> got a lot less explanations, but I, I think it's a good point. It's a valid. It's a. It's a valid point because I think that. We can grow without focusing on growth. Like, my business does make more every single year. I've never, that's never been my North Star, but because I pay attention to my audience, because I share with them every single Sunday, not miss a Sunday, because I'm either tweaking or releasing new products, or I have products that have recurring revenue. Like, I'm always putting so much work into my passive income streams, basically, that. I'm still competitive with the market, even if the market changes, even though my revenue isn't going up like a gazillion percent every year. I'm still spending a lot of time paying attention to and and catering to the people there. It's just like with my mailing list, because once it reached a certain size, it was like, okay, I don't need to focus on getting new people on the list. I need to flip my focus focus on writing good articles that my audience will then share with other people and then they become like the growth engine. So I don't need to think about growth with that. I just need to make sure that my audience is so happy and that I write things that they feel smart for sharing. Like that's kind of like, that's really what it comes down to is if I write something that somebody feels like this is going to make me look good if I share this, (laughs) then I've done a good job as a content creator because then more people are going to be more likely to share it. And I think the The counterpoint to uh, to what I brought up isn't that not growing is stagnation. It's that not growing is an inward focus on the people you're serving and the business that you're running. Where that's still like it's still a lot of like it's a lot a lot of work. It might not be like doubling the the money every month, but like it's a lot of work to just stay at like kind of the same level. It's a lot of work. Yeah
0: yeah i like that i think you talk in the book about like focusing so many people focus on getting more people through the door and less on like retention or just like dropping churn and making people want to stick around longer right but these are all things that like having sound fundamentals for your business it does pay off in the end because it means you you know the point at which your churn starts to overtake your growth you can extend that effectively by by just hammering down your churn and making people
2: really happy right yeah and you've already probably got their contact information to talk to them <laughs> right? right. <laughs> about why, why they think they want to leave or, or why they are leaving en masse kind of thing. That's good. Do you have particular filtering criteria that you look at when you're thinking
0: about starting something new? Like, do you feel like there's some there's some big things that
2: that maybe make something not not really fitting with the model and other things that do? I'm on your team with mission critical. Like I don't yeah. want to. I don't want to run something that could get me out of bed at two in the morning. Like I like to sleep. i <laughs> <And so, just> like <laughs> spending yeah. a ton on server architecture as well. But yeah, I mean that's a big one. The, the other big thing for for me and and it relates to the book as well is that I don't want to start something that's going to need to be huge. Like I don't want to start a, a project that would need to scale. Like people or ad spend with, with revenue. I want to find things that it can stay at a small level or just grow like a tiny bit as, as it increases. And like, that's been a big thing. And I, I've actually like canned a bunch of things cause it's been like, well, this is going to take a lot to make a lot or, or to get it to a sustainable place. And it's like, it's just not worth it to me. Even sometimes it's, it's a matter of support and you don't really know support. Like it's, it's hard to estimate support volume before you have started building the thing. And I've, yeah, I've ended up canning, I think, two businesses because the the level of support was so high. And I tried so many like documentation and videos and better onboarding. And like I tried all of the things and nothing like this is just a product that's going to take a lot of support. And I could have scaled it up with scaling support. And I was just like, nah, this just, this just isn't working for me. Like the type of person that I am, it just, it doesn't work. So I, those are my two biggest criteria, to be honest. Yeah. And some of that is I imagine
0: it's that's where the skill comes in and the experience is like knowing because some of that you can kind of try to test a little bit early on, I guess, to figure out, like, is this going to require a lot of support or is this going to be require a lot of people? But it's hard to know.
2: Right. Ultimately, like, yeah, especially when you build stuff with other people's systems like the WordPress plugin that I sell. It does well in terms of like monthly revenue, but People have a lot of support questions and the kicker to that when you're working with somebody else's platform or in somebody else's platform is that 90% of the support questions have nothing to do with our plugin. It's somebody has their theme installed wrong. Somebody has like NGINX set up so redirects completely muck up or it's like a million other things. So we basically have to solve WordPress problems to get just our little bit of like, almost discreet but actually not really piece of software working for them Mm -hmm. so that I wouldn't because like I know how to develop WordPress like themes and plugins so that's not something I would have thought of like I can figure out like I have the tools to figure out if something's not working what it is but if people aren't developers uh, in the WordPress ecosystem like they don't know like it's not their job to know what's breaking it's just their job to be like the last thing I bought was this my site doesn't work anymore I'm going to contact them yeah yeah.
0: I imagine that's uh, yeah, you hear about this with other businesses too where you effectively your support team becomes support for a downstream product or something and for the internet. Got, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's got to be a little frustrating at times, I'm sure. Yeah. I've been
1: that person before. Even as a technical person, sometimes you just like get it wrong like where the problem is coming from and I'm I've I've barked up the wrong tree. And then had to apologize later, like, oh, that's I have a weird ad blocker <laughs> plugin or something like it's, it's been me sometimes. Mm-hmm. So I have a quick update as long as we're as long as I'm making noise over here. Yeah. So I sent a, an email actually to the whole marketing list uh, this week, which was kind of exciting. We have set a launch date to launch publicly. Uh, so we're going to be launching Ooh. in August. Well, we sort of have a launch day. We have a launch month somewhere in August. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> At the last minute, I like backed out the particular day, and I was like, you know what? It'd be nice to be like a little flexibility here. So let's <laughs> let's just say August, and then we'll figure out exactly when in a couple of weeks. So that was cool. Uh, so I invited everyone that was already on the list to sign up uh, before then, but it, it and so like there's been uh, like a nice uh, stream of signups since then, which is great. But it's just it's cool to have uh, a line in the sand again, like a, a thing that we're working towards. I, I always enjoy that, even when
2: they're sort of arbitrary. Why did you draw that line now as opposed to like a month prior or a month later?
1: Yeah, there's, a, so there's a, a few factors going on. So one is that the app is in a honestly a good place. Like it feels like there's no reason to, to gate people from it at this point. Like it, it feels pretty solid. It's not embarrassing anymore. And like not like, a, like you know, just fragile, I guess. The other is, and there's two, two, two big ones. One is that S- so Slack has a feature in their product that allows you to do remote control. And they announced uh, a couple weeks ago that they're removing that and they're going to do that uh, July, early July. So we're like, well, there's going to be a whole bunch of people who are suddenly going to become eligible customers in July. It sure would be nice to have the doors open by then. Unfortunately, we all have travel plan. All of us, all three of us have travel plans for July. So (laughs) I was like, well, we probably shouldn't launch and then immediately all go on vacation. So it's like, all right, well, I guess August is when we're going to do it. So we're just going to shoot for early August and, and hope that works
0: nice that's exciting yeah and so i know you were kind of debating like should i stay in this like superhuman style invite only phase for a while or should i launch to the world and where like obviously you end up deciding to launch but did you i mean kind of what was your thought process behind that I don't know. Should we tease it? I guess so. so
1: like, <laughs> so we talked to Rahul. Uh, that episode is going to be co- actually no. That that already be out. Actually, so yeah. Never mind. So so you've heard us talk to Rahul, and I asked him about it, and I thought his reasoning was like reasonable as like as to why you would do this, but it didn't. It didn't strike me as like particularly compelling. Like it it felt more like like It, it seemed like his position was keeping it tightly controlled is good because it increases your net promoter score like more people that use the product love the product. And like I'm okay with people using it and not finding it to be the best fit for them. Like I don't I don't actually need to weed those people out. I don't need to create a viral sensation or grow huge and it felt a little bit like copying that would just be copying a kind of a side effect or like a not a primary action of a business because I thought the rest of the business was cool. Uh, and so it just, it just seemed like, all right,
0: let's, let's do this. Yeah. I also suspect that like, I don't know. I mean, different products have different levels of complexity, Uh, like user interface level complexity. I'd say like, Mm -hmm. obviously you guys are dealing with a lot of complexity under the hood, but on the surface, it's a, it's a fairly straightforward, you know, value delivery and for an email mm-hmm. client there's just there's a zillion different things you could build into it there's a zillion different ways you could get steered off track by people who are not a great fit for for yeah. your core mission and so i think i think it's wise for them if for no other reason than to like keep their product team focused on figuring out the best things to build by keeping it constrained and i feel like that's not necessarily a constraint that or a, a need that you guys have you know
1: hmm Yeah.
0: I mean, honestly, one of my takeaways from that conversation is it seemed like we were
1: motivated by somewhat different things where he is sort of in the, his, his goal was to like uh, grow by a certain percent every week or every month and just do that as long as possible and scale up as much as necessary to do that. And that's not my mindset. And so it was like, I I felt like there was a whole, um, we we were a bit mismatched in that way. So just aping that sort of practice Mm -hmm. would make even less sense than usual. And it's probably not even a great idea most of the time, even if we did have the same goals. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I agree. But, and
1: uh, I'm so, yeah, so I feel good about it. I'm actually looking forward to opening the doors. Like as we've, as I've like opened it up more and more, I've, I've enjoyed it. Like it it feels good, like, and like moving more parts to sort of self-serve and like start to build the engine and like, Oh, now this part connects to this part. And I don't have to like, I don't have to manually manage this thing anymore. It's it's just, it's fun for me. I like trying to like tune a self-service Engine, I find that really appealing more so than like let's keep it sort of tightly controlled and I'll decide who gets to come in and we'll do manual stuff for everybody.
2: Just, just more, more my, my type of tea. My type, my type of tea. (laughs) Is there a feature freeze between now and public? And it's just like squashing bugs. That's on my
1: list. So I I created a launch checklist, and one of them was like, stop code changes (laughs) at some point. Uh, so I don't know what that point is going to be, yeah. um, but we'll we'll see. Naturally, we want to launch with something pretty stable. But we had an interesting realization, which is so there were something like fifty three hundred people on this list that I emailed, and we're we getting a lot of signups from that. And it may be that like our big signup time is now, and actually not in a couple months, because like opening it publicly, like a lot of people that want it are we're already on the list and can can get in eventually. So I'm sort of not expecting a huge surge in signups. I mean, that'd be okay, but I don't think it's going to be too nuts, honestly. Unless I get way better at product launches and marketing between now and then.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I think that's a good sign, though, because I feel like a lot of the traffic that comes in during the big blow-the-doors-off launch is like a lot of people curious because, oh, there's a new thing in the world and not necessarily like prime customers so i would i would expect like a lot of times there's extremely high churn on big splash launches Mm. and i think it's a Mm -hmm. good sign that you guys are kind of like taking the the deep roots you know foundational approach of like letting in cohorts and stuff as opposed to like relying on the big product hunt launch and the hacker news launch
1: Yes, totally. So. Yeah, I, I, it is going to be interesting though, because once, we've done, once you've done the list, or so you've already exhausted the list you know uh, up to you know, through yesterday, basically, and uh, once we do the launch, it's like, all right, now we have to actually do marketing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And like f- f- how, where are the customers going
2: to come from after that? So it's going to be a new set of challenges for me. it'll be interesting. How are people getting into the top of the funnel now? Like how are people getting on the mailing list? Like what's the source for that currently? mostly twitter interesting yeah oddly enough twitter
1: and like podcasts this one and podcasts that i guest on are like our biggest drivers and then just like word of mouth from existing customers but but usually word of mouth through twitter that's good to that's a good thing to know though it is i mean it's double-edged because it's like i can kind of be on twitter at work and have it be productive (laughs) but then it's like now i'm on twitter and now it's so it's yeah it's it's mixed but it's that, that kind of that thing kind of scares me a little bit or something where it's like, all right, my best sources are like Twitter and podcasts. Like, well, it's I can kind of get on more podcasts and I can kind of get more people to listen to this podcast and I can kind of go talk about it, like get people to talk about it on Twitter and whatnot. But none of these are like great repeatable channels in the vein of like paid advertising or sponsorships or things like that. So it's like, can I turn the crank on these things? If like suddenly signups go below where we want them to, can I? Do I have a playbook or a set of things I can go do that will actually generate more signups? And and that is definitely TBD. Yeah, because you basically just have to do more interviews while being on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Like, what, do I retweet more things? Do I make more original tweets? Do I need to follow more people? Like, it's I don't know. We'll see. But you know, well, it's just a—it'll just be another problem to solve, and that's this seems to be an
2: endless stream of that. So uh, that's okay. That's what I signed up for. Yeah, I think that's common though. Like, I think for most of the people that I talk to that do kind of the things that we do, they know how to build the excitement and do the splashy launch, but then after the launch is is a lot more difficult or it's things that like we don't always think about and those are the things that are like just as important because we need to keep people getting in the top of the funnel you need to keep finding like new places to or new audiences to to show the thing and it's like that's work and that's hard. and it's harder too because the excitement might have died or diminished slightly right. and you're like oh you yeah, still, totally. still got to promote this <laughs> like go oh, no yeah
1: well yeah, and we're not the hot new thing and after mm-hmm. a while, you know, it's like, "Oh yeah, that I, I already heard about that from somebody else and decided not to try it back then, so I'll just stick with that decision." And
2: yeah, it's hard to change people's minds when they've made up a, when they've made up their minds in a split second, even if the information is wrong that they have. It's hard to get them to to change that behavior. Totally. Yeah, and it's like maybe that
0: uh, like eventually probably your um what works for you right now, right, is kind of kind of alluding back to Screen Hero and saying, Remember when Slack stole Screen Hero from us? And eventually like everyone who was who loved Screen Hero <laughs> will have will know about Tuple and then it'll be like, All right, now it's time to go to the next concentric circle and like just people who need to who care about pair programming but are and maybe are remote teams but don't have a tool for that. And then it's like eventually mm-hmm. I feel like the screen hero um throwback will start to diminish uh for sure. You know. That's already happening in like version two of our marketing site. Yeah. New people on the scene
2: might
1: not even know what that was. Like Oh is, yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. The good news is I think we there are markets that are like concentrically outward from us that are, are big and real. So like people keep asking us for like the ability to do like video, like face cams, like like we're doing now. And it's like suddenly if we have that, now we're like a whole that's a whole different kind of market niche you could service. So we'll see we can we can also expand the market in some ways if we start to run out of ideas or ways for reaching this this current niche but that's that's hopefully way down the road because I, I like i want to stay tightly focused as long as we can until it hurts
0: yeah i think that's wise to do and i think there's you do have a massive market even for where you're at with the product and and all that it's just uh yeah it's just doing doing the hard work of accessing them. Yep. totally yeah we, we keep
1: people keep signing up and, and spencer's like there's just so many companies there's just so many little organizations with like 10 developers in them that need a tool for this and you never would have heard of them because they're doing some weird niche thing themselves and there's just a lot of them so hopefully i think i think there'll be enough i think so too cool uh anything else going on with the two of you that you want to talk about
0: i think i'm good paul yeah i i I think i'm good I i can't think of anything else anything you want to plug paul any of your uh products you're working on
2: Oh, what am I working on right now? Redoing my MailChimp course because MailChimp changed everything. And I was like, oh, really? Because uh, <laughs> every time there's a change, I'm like, oh, that's a video that I have to <laughs> professionally record again. Hmm. But yeah, working on getting another version of Fathom at the door. And it's with other versions, it's hard because like the the excitement of building the thing has diminished because we already built version 1 and now it's like trying to get that back and it's at that and at, we were talking about this before we started recording it's at a place where it's generating good revenue and there's traction and there's and there's good growth but it's not at a place where like two of us can work on it full time so like we're trying to just like eke out little bits of time to like build the next thing into it while it grows which is challenging cuz like if i could just work on that for a couple months that would be awesome but like i'm not in a place where i can do that so i've just got to like take my time with it which is hard to balance like oh it's going to take quite a bit of time but i also want to stay like super stoked about it but it's like <laughs> it's it's happening over months instead of days so that that's a thing but yeah, I'm I'm excited to get that uh, out the door. The UI is done for it; it's just the the back end that that needs to be kind of finished up.
0: Very nice. Well, I am a I'm a Fathom customer. I uh, use it for my personal site, and I use it on Level Two, and it was. Yeah, it's great. I mean, it's just so refreshing. Like it's the data that I wanted to see every
2: time I went to Google Analytics and had to uh, dig around for. So (laughs) nice. That's that. But so this is that's another weird thing, right? Because our audience is kind of split. Half of them care about privacy and half of them just like I like Fathom because it's just simple. Yeah. It's hard to figure out what the because one isn't pulling ahead in terms of customers. It's hard Mm. to be like. Do we market ourselves as the simple analytics or the privacy focused analytics, or muddy it a bit and just be the simple privacy focused <laughs> analytics? So <laughs>
0: maybe two different, just two different uh, landing pages on your website <laughs> focused on exactly. each or something.
1: Yeah. Mm. Mm. Very nice. Staying stoked with Paul Jarvis. Episode title. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, shall we wrap it? Yes, let's wrap it. Sure. Cool. Uh, Show notes for this episode, Mr.
2: Derek? Yes, show notes can be found at artofproductpodcast.com. Thanks for listening. See ya. Bye.